It's Monday, July 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argusinger. Happy Monday, gentlemen. Yo, yo, happy yo. Monday. And I, happy, like, you know, the beginning of the 21st year here, right? I mean, with this yes. 20th year anniversary and the celebration on Friday, I feel like now we're really fully into our 21st year. I think we... Now I, we're moving. I, yeah, now we're moving. Now we're moving, exactly. Yes, last Friday, uh, we, we don't tape Market Foolery on Fridays, but we, uh, we actually taped the radio show early last week because on Friday we celebrated the Motley Fool's 20th anniversary. We had just a bunch of fun stuff going on at the office and then went over to uh, National Harbor just across the river. for We, we had uh, a piano bar to ourselves, Bobby McKee's. We had that for a few hours. And the cake, did you guys see the cake? I did. Saw the cake. So if you've ever seen the TV show, there's Cake Boss, but then there's a there was a show before that called Ace of Cakes about – uh, a bakery in Baltimore called Charm City Cakes, and this very colorful guy Duff, who who Duff. Who, who runs it, and uh, and they would make these really elaborate cakes, and that's where we got our. Mar- you know what? We'll have to get a photo of that and tweet it out on the Market Foolery. Uh. Yeah, yeah it was I mean, the globe, I, there was definitely. Yeah. I think they put one on the on the the Motley Fool Facebook page. Yeah. I think, but yeah, that was, was pretty. Fun. So everyone wanted to know. Yeah, was the globe edible? Because there was a huge I globe it, I the whole on top stuff. of the base. Yeah, the there cake. was a base cake, and then there was. Uh, some little pole and then a, uh, a globe on top of it and then a gesture cap on top of the globe. And I can tell you uh, from firsthand experience, yes, the globe was edible. No kidding. No. I wanted to stick a knife in there. I, was, I just didn't have the courage. It was fantastic. Clearly Chris did. <laughs> uh, earnings Palooza rolls on. We'll talk McDonald's. We'll talk Hasbro. We'll talk Microsoft uh, because it was so no- noteworthy from last Friday. But let's start with Mickey D's. Um, not a great quarter. Uh, they missed on both the top and bottom lines. Not a particularly big miss, but still a miss. And uh, stock getting hit a little bit this morning. Jason, what'd you make of the quarter? Yeah, not. I mean, not a, a debilitating miss by any means, but it certainly keeps with this overarching theme of uh, weak top line growth, followed by just sort of hitting a ceiling on how many how many costs you can actually cut in the business. And I think that's what we saw with McDonald's. They missed just a little bit on, on the revenue side, and they can only cut so many costs from that business. I mean, uh, earnings are still not bad, but but still a slight miss. And so I think that's that's we've had this concern for a long time now is to really see uh, these companies picking up that, that top-line organic revenue growth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that'll be able to really carry on down to the bottom line with better earnings numbers. And that's what McDonald's has failed to do thus far. I think they are facing uh, definitely – the domestic market, um, some headwinds just in the, the with the advent of fast casual things like your Chipotle's and Panera's and whatnot. Uh, lucky for them, seventy percent of their sales are actually generated outside of the United States, so that's a good thing. Um, but the bad part there is that with Europe and Asia Pacific and the Middle East and Africa, those are all sluggish still as well. Um, I think that we saw a lot of uh, hints in Yum's report a couple of weeks ago that uh, certainly Asia Pacific was going to be uh, tough with the, the bird flu concerns. Um, I think that it's worth noting, though, that there is a great opportunity in front of McDonald's, certainly in the breakfast market. I was looking at a number from last quarter's call. They were talking about breakfast being about 11% of their overall sales in Asia Pacific uh, versus around 25% in the domestic market here. So I think that breakfast genuinely represents an opportunity for them in overseas markets, as well as opening up in, in more emerging economies. So, you know, I mean, this could be actually a decent buying opportunity if, you, if you're looking for one of those stocks to kind of help protect your wealth. 
Uh, they've grown their dividends since every every year since 1976. They generate a lot of cash, and so from that perspective, it's a good holding. Um, but I don't think I'd be looking at it uh, from the perspective of like a domestic growth play. If that it's makes well, any sense. yeah, it was. It reminded me a lot about what Coke did last week. You know, yeah, same good, similar good similar result. And the the result, you know, a, Coke also had kind of sluggish sales mm-hmm. in uh, in Asia, which is which is surprising, um, given you just think that there's just so much upside to the brand. Uh, in a region like that, but you know, clearly they're showing you that the the economy is not growing as fast in those in those areas of the world that we think they are. Generally. And but how concerning is that in terms of seventy percent of the revenue coming from overseas? And you look at things like comps in Europe were down ever so slightly. They were they were they were just barely negative, but still negative. We talk about yum and the weakness in China, and those are things that those are ships that are not going to get righted quickly. And it seems like I'm not looking to advocate market timing here, but it seems like if today is a buying opportunity, this buying opportunity might exist through the next quarter as well. I feel like McDonald's is good at least domestically here in the U.S. at promotions, things like the McRib in the fourth calendar quarter, you know, you get down to the end of the year and they're they're able to drive sales that way. But I, I don't know. This seems like this quarter, it seems like three months from now, we could be having the exact same conversation and I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No. And I, I think I think there's a distinct possibility we will be. Now, I, I think on the flip side of that, when you look at your your emerging economies exposure and the opportunities that lie there. I mean, the, the good thing for McDonald's in this in this regard is that you know you have that that value proposition versus the quality proposition, right? McDonald's is clearly the value proposition, and that's why they you see this the proliferation of these dollar value menus everywhere. And it's not just McDonald's. I mean, it's Wendy's and Burger King, and all these companies are putting out these dollar value menus. And while those can be more uh, margin concerns. What it what it definitely does is help help drive traffic and sales. So I think that for for McDonald's, the the opportunity in these overseas economies is the fact that it's a value proposition, and um, it is a very recognizable brand. I think it's a brand that really has a lot of sway on a global basis. Uh, that's why I mean I think that the way that we're looking at this here domestically is we're, we're kind of in a stage with your Chipotle's and your Panera's and your fast casuals. Those will probably be more of a concern, I think, for McDonald's 10, 15 years down the road. Um, and, and that's when you might want to really sort of re- reassess why you're holding McDonald's. But but we know the market's forward-looking. And so, I mean, if if or when we hit that point where we feel like the economy, economic conditions are picking up, then, I mean, it's it's going to be too late. And, I mean, this isn't going to be a stock that doubles, you know, overnight by any means. But right. but it is one that I think uh, at 18, 17 times earnings, it's certainly a fair value, uh, historically speaking. And, and it's got a dividend yield that will keep on growing. Hasbro's second quarter profit fell 16%. Uh, so I am compelled to ask Matt, why is the stock up slightly this morning? Really, one word: Disney. I mean, you know, Hasbro. I mean, one of the reasons they they were they're da- they were down uh, this quarter. Uh, sales were down six percent, and and uh, revenue in the in the boys' business, the boys' toys business, was down thirty five percent, which seems like a, such a huge number. But if you think about what we had last year, this time we had the Avengers, we had Spider Man, um, and that drives so much of uh, Hasbro's business is that they just they leap off these um, their licensing agreements with Disney. Um, they're allowed to sell toys, you know, based on the movies and the characters, and that just drives so much of their business. And they just don't have that. They had, they, they had Iron Man uh, and a few other things, but it just wasn't the same kind of summer. But the big news, of course, 
I mentioned Disney. They, they've extended their contract with Disney uh, through 2020, um, their, their toy licensing wow. agreement. So Marvel, now Star Wars, of course, we know, through 2020. I think the total value, it's like $80 million for Marvel, $225 million for Star Wars. Uh, and that those seem like big numbers, but you know what that does for Hasbro's business, what, what it's going to do from now until 2020 over the next seven years is huge, given what we know all the Marvel movies come out. Avengers 2 is going to come out. We know the Star Wars starting in uh, 2015 is going to have a slate of movies almost every year. Um, and that's going to drive huge toy sales uh, for Hasbro. That, uh, that's pretty amazing. And I'm thinking, Jason, primarily of our conversation last week about Mattel. Uh, you know, interesting uh, on one level that Hasbro, they saw the big drop in boys uh, toy line uh, for for Mattel it was Barbie mm-hmm. um, other girl uh, dolls American Girl and Monster High those did well but Barbie really took a hit uh, but when I hear Matt sort of laying out the details of this Disney partnership it I, I'm not a Hasbro shareholder but I would be really excited about the future that's a that is a long runway and Absolutely. it it, it strikes me as one of those deals that I put in the category of, this is going to be hard to screw up. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's why when we look at Hasbro and Mattel, I mean, I think both of those companies are interesting investment opportunities because of that very reason. I mean, it's easy when an earnings announcement comes out to focus on the the thing like, oh, wow, Barbie's just getting shellacked. Nobody's buying Barbies anymore. You know, boys' toys at Hasbro, Mr. Potato Head's gone. What? What's going on? They have so many different ways they can make money, and, and the beauty of those of those of those companies is that Hasbro and the Mattel brand that they can virtually stamp on anything, and they get these relationships with your Disney's and your DreamWorks and your Sesame Streets and things like that, and and they're both winners because they have these tremendous global production chains uh, and distribution chains that can get these toys out everywhere. And uh, they are, I think, to their credit, they they both are sort of getting with that uh, movement as as toys grow more into tech. Um, they're they're not just focusing on the physical toy anymore, but sort of the virtual uh, accoutrements that can come with uh, those those franchises, and they're doing a good job with that. So I, I think that uh, you know Hasbro again, it's easy to focus on those those negative misses and things like that in, in stagnant global economies, but you still have to look at these two companies as as real powerhouses in their industries. And another one one real quick thing, I, I was surprised to learn that about fifteen percent of Hasbro's shares were short. Actually, going into the results, really, which, you know, if, if I had to pick a company to short, I don't think it'd be Hasbro, one of those you know so consistent performing companies with great brands and a great history. Uh, but yeah, apparently, fifteen percent of the shares were short, so that could be you know once the deal, once the announcement of the deal with Dizzy came out, maybe that's causing some short covering there. Risk reward. I was going to say that totally. seems, that seems yeah. like a high number, and I'm wondering if there's a Dan Loeb type character out there or if it's just a lot of sort of smaller players who are who are placing that short bet I don't know and and you know and Hasbro pays a pretty uh, heavy dividend so as a short seller as a you know if you if you're short shares you're paying that dividend as well so it's a very expensive short on I, top of it I believe these companies Hasbro and Mattel both have relatively high levels of of uh, goodwill and intangibles in their balance sheets in relation to their assets um, and so it's it's possible that, that you know, investors out there thinking maybe there might be a hit this earnings season or impairments taken that uh, would certainly knock earnings. Uh, but you know, again, that's that's just mm. speculation. 
Uh, so when you look at the shares today, Matt, again, up slightly this morning, seems like uh, just as we've talked about in the past where guidance trumps results. In this case, it's the news of the Disney partnership that is trumping the results. Uh, do, do shares look like they're a decent value? I'm with you. I, I own shares of Hasbro. I have for a long time. And I, you know, as I look at my portfolio over the next few months of where to add, Hasbro's moved up for me, certainly with this deal. And, and you know, the idea that this is one of those sort of premier companies in the entertainment space, for sure. Uh, before we get to our final story, Jason uh, mentioned our, our 20th anniversary, and we got some wonderful comments on Twitter uh, from some of our listeners, uh, Jason Newman, uh, Tatiana Kildesheva, and others, and uh, and also on our boards uh, from from our uh, our members here at The Motley Fool, uh, Robert Kralge in British Columbia, uh, and many others. So, so thank you for the good wishes, and yep. uh, thank you for listening. And and here's here's to twenty more years. Good lord, twenty more years of this podcast. Is that I, I, I I am totally I'm I am totally in. I got no other plans. I am here, so I'm in. <laughs> um, Apple reports tomorrow after the bell, so we will hit that on Wednesday's market flurry. I'm sure um, the Wall Street Journal is reporting today that Apple is testing larger screens for the iPhones and iPads. Uh, so it's, it'll, be, it'll be curious to see if that story got leaked out to maybe um, as a hedge against earnings that might not be that awesome. But speaking of earnings that are not that awesome, <laughs> um, through last Thursday, shares of Microsoft year-to-date were up more than 35%. And then fourth quarter earnings came out, uh, big miss in both earnings and sales, and the stock dropped 11% on Friday, basically just cutting in half the return for the year. Um, and you were saying before we taped about what is that, 30, uh, 30 when you look in terms of market cap, that is $30 billion. It's, that is, it's just not every day uh, a company with a $260 billion market cap you know, can go down 11%. Um, even even high single digits is, is unusual, but 11% in a day after earnings and yeah, racing about $30 billion in market value. Uh, such a good year <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> I know. I mean, it had been such a, you know, Microsoft's just such a flat kind of stale stock for so long. And I, I think even even people around the floor were saying, gosh, you know what? Microsoft's finally breaking out. It's finally getting yeah. above, you know, it's $35. And it's just right back down to 30 And it's so. Did anything stun you about this quarter? I mean, I think to your point, we don't see companies of this size dropping that much in a single day. To me, the whole notion of the uh, there was the write down of the Surface Tablet. I, I, not that I necessarily thought that Surface Tablets were flying off the shelf, um, if, but if you had asked me, I wouldn't have bet that they would have to write down close to a billion dollars worth. That's right. Re- with regards to the Surface Tablet, that's that was the headliner, I think. And you know, here's Microsoft maybe admitting that hey, our our entry into the ferociously competitive tablet market. Isn't isn't exactly working out, and I, I think I, I haven't I don't own a Surface. I've never even played with one. But I actually thought when it, when Microsoft was first coming out with it that this could be an opportunity. I mean, Microsoft is really good at productivity, office, business type software, and if they could have a tablet, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, don't, I use my iPad to search, uh, to watch movies, to you know download videos and all kinds of stuff. But I, I don't really use it for a lot of. Pr- Productive things right. at work, and if if, they, if Microsoft could come out with a tablet that could do that, 
in a seamless way. And and that's kind of the, the way they push it out, but it certainly hasn't worked out. I, I was, I mean, I'm getting kind of a mixed message on the surface, and I think that's what I was most surprised by was it wasn't all that long ago where they had this pretty great press release out with this new partnership with the NFL, and mm-hmm. then Microsoft is going to be the technology for the NFL. The Surface is going to be the official tablet of the NFL. You can expect to see all these coaches running up and down their sidelines with their surfaces and, the, you know, referees doing instant replay on their surfaces and things Bill like that. Bill Belichick's going to have one in his big jacket. Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> stuff in his hoodie, the pocket of his hoodie. Be, you know, some, you know, camera gate 2014, <laughs> when, who's spying on whom, but I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, I guess this all just kind of brings me back to where does that all stand now? Because I, I, you know, I have messed around the surface before, and I mean, I'm used to my iPad and my iPhone and the Apple iOS. But so I mean, it takes I think a little bit of getting adjusted to a Windows operating system. But I mean, I think the surface is a decent tablet. I'm not surprised to see them taking a write down because I just don't know really anybody that owns one. They're just not flying off the shelves, obviously. But I, I guess I'd want to know more about what exactly is going. To, what's the future of this thing? I mean, if it's and, and where does this partnership with the NFL stand? Because I mean, hey, yeah. football season's just right around the corner. Yeah. And you know, hey, we can we can talk about the surface a lot, but you know, really, to me, I, I think a, a big part of the story here as well is, is Windows. I mean, right. Windows is 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 slowly it, it's it's not dying, but it's it's certainly not growing. And with PC sales continuing to plummet year right. after year, this is you know this is roughly thirty percent of Microsoft's yeah. business is Windows. I mean, the Office, the servers and tools, that's those are all kind of growing at. at you know, sort of single-digit rates, but the Windows platform is not. So what you have to wonder is, you know, we, we've always talked about sort of that Best Buy Radio Shack dynamic where Best Buy is sort of falling back into that market where Radio Shack used to be and Radio Shack is just dying the slow, painful, ugly, awful death. I mean, are we witnessing sort of a point in time where Apple is going to start falling back to be sort of that that Microsoft? Is Microsoft starting to sort of witness that longer sort of perpetual slow decline i mean i just don't know it's it's an interesting way to think about it It seems like they are at least over the next few years in a lot better shape than the retailers um but but uh, i think one of the offshoots of this is i am thinking as we head into the second half of the year is the xbox and Mm. both the pressure on and the opportunity for the xbox division because it got rave reviews. The whole the the new model. It seems like if you're working in that division, maybe you're rubbing your hands together with glee, like, "Oh, here's an opportunity for us to save the day," or maybe you're just reaching for yet another cup of coffee to stay up late because you. Right. It seems like more so than ever before, the company. I totally get what you're saying about let's not lose sight of where this company makes their money. But by the same token, I think if they can have a breakout with the Xbox, then that breeds new life. Yeah. I mean, Steve Ballmer's probably calling more meetings with people in that division, which is <laughs> probably scary for those people. But yeah, I mean, that, that is going to be the focus. That is where the growth, if there is going to be any for Microsoft, could come from. All right. We will uh, keep our eyes peeled, particularly for uh, for Apple later in the week. All right. Jason Moser, Matt Argusinger. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 